It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 174, entitled We've All Got the Same Arm and Mike. <laughs> it was recorded on Monday the 16th of August 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined as always by my co-host Paul Lacey. This week we also have Brian Gardner as well. I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks so there's a bit of catching up to be done and we do just that. First thing we talk about is WordPress 5.9 and some of the updates hopefully going to be coming very soon to WordPress. We also get into a conversation off the back of a podcast episode I recorded with Corey Miller for WP Tavern all about mergers and acquisitions and that then naturally leads into a conversation about the fact that Yoast has been acquired. David von Gries from the Page Builder Framework has made a video this week asking the question, is Gutenberg killing WordPress themes? We talk about the toolset query loop block and how it compares to the default one, which comes with WordPress. Automatic have invested $30 million into Titan, an email company, to help you get your email set up over at wordpress.com. And Apple, this week is in the news about their endeavors to protect children via iOS, iCloud, and the photographs you may have on your phone. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress was brought to you by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress block editor. Go check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. We've had a bit of a hiatus. We've had a bit of a break. Two weeks off, I sat on a beach and did very little. It was remarkably good. But um, time and tide wait for... Oh, time and tide. See the beach reference there. Very good. <laughs> the um, You have to get back to work, sadly. So here we are. <laughs> Episode number 174 of the WP Builds This Week in WordPress show. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Paul Lacey, who's obviously also had an enforced two-week break. How's your... How's your break been, Paul? It's been it's been great to not have to. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, <laughs> I missed you so much, Nathan. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you had a good break and everything. And uh, and yeah, and obviously I was too lazy to do the show by myself, or um, lazy or incapable, one of one of those two things. But yeah, we, we're going to we might be a bit rusty. I don't know. Let's oh, see. I, I Let's think, see how I we get on. There's not really. There's not really so much, there's only so much polishing you can do of this proverbial, I'm not going to say the words. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're joined today. We're supposed to be joined by two people, but only one of them has uh, actually made it through. And uh, you never know, last time we had Jonathan Wold and Brian Gardner on, and Brian came in uh, a few minutes later. Maybe this time around it'll be the other way around, because we've got Brian Gardner, who probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but Paul's going to introduce him in a moment. But um, Jonathan Wold is supposed to be joining us, but if he doesn't, we'll, pe- we'll plow on regardless. Yeah, so uh, hand over to you, Paul, to introduce our, our honourable guest, Brian. Well, we're really pleased again to have Brian Gardner on the show, who has uh, shortened his pro- profile considerably down to WordPress expert and creator of Frost. And by Frost, we're not talking about the weather phenomenon. We're talking about Frost WP, which is a kind of a new WordPress theme all built around WordPress blocks. 
Uh, Brian, obviously, it's also, it didn't put it in his profile, but is also the original founder of Studio Press, which uh, created the Genesis theme. And also, last time, uh, recommended some films to me. I've nearly finished, Brian, Aspen Extreme and really mm. enjoying that. Me and my wife have been watching it together. We got very tired towards the, the end because it was quite late. So we're not sure what's going to happen in the final um, what's it called? The Powder 8 competition. We'll <laughs> yeah. find out. So anyone who's watched Aspen Extreme knows what I'm talking about. So no spoilers, please. We don't know what's happening in, in the Powder 8. But I was super pleased to see um, a, sh- a shock appearance from Martin Kemp from Spando Ballet being mm-hmm. one of the baddies oh. in, the, in the film. Martin Kemp is obviously a British guy, but he plays a baddie German guy called Franz, which... Uh, so yeah, no spoilers though. No there's spoilers. No, there's no baddie called Franz in there whatsoever. No. Is that a TV show? No, it's a eight. No, it's an early nineties uh, film. Oh. Something, something. You know, so it's all around skiing. And so do, me and Brian were talking about films about skateboarding and BMXing and all that sort of stuff. And um, and he recommended a couple of films to me, and one of them was Aspen Extreme, and I like it. It feels yeah. like uh, it's got a bit of a dirty dancing feel to it which i know he's yeah. underselling it and it's probably you're probably disappointed with that brian but there's some <laughs> plot there's some definite plot similarities in there as well yeah i am a sucker for uh 80s and 90s nostalgia on several levels uh, movies are one of them cheesy coming of age movies like aspen extreme and fraction and north shore and rad um i grew up sort of a lot of my time in California. So like the, the BMX, the surfing, the skateboard stuff, like was totally in my wheelhouse. So how did you, um, how did you like stranger things? I know that's a modern thing, but it kind of goes back to that BMX sort of tape cassette thing. No, <laughs> no, I, no I, what it is, is I'm trying to figure out how to, how to dodge the question. Cause I actually have not watched that. Okay. That's Ooh. fine. It's fine. I, I really enjoyed it, but it is, it's, like it almost feels like a Spielberg movie, like Close Encounters mm-hmm. or yeah. or something like ET. You know, you got. The I'm kids. not a sci-fi guy, so that's why oh, okay. I was like, eh, no, it's I not. It's maybe it's but... so sci-fi. Yeah, don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, just curious, actually, Brian. Now that mm-hmm. we obviously did get your, um, you know, your little biography, which was very short and had been curtailed to WordPress expert and Frost. Is there is that a conscious thing? Have you have you sort of are you now no longer saying founder of Studio Press, or is that just something you omitted accidentally? No, no, there's no omission. Uh, more than anything, it's just an act of brevity. In fact, um, yeah. as Paul as Paul was saying that, I'm like, you know, I, there's no reason. It's not like I'm embarrassed. I mean, I'm super proud of it. Yeah. Um, and especially now that I'm, we'll, we'll say quote and air quotes here, kind of back in WordPress product building. Um, for context purposes, it probably makes sense. And what it does allows me to reintroduce uh, two other things that uh, I love doing, because uh, then the Twitter bio would have equal lines, because I'm also OCD when it comes to that. Uh, and that is the inclusion of being a runner and being a Taylor Swift fan. So uh, <laughs> both. And and I just literally, and I, I went out early so I could be back for the, the show because it's eight o'clock here in Chicago. Uh, I, I just got back from a seven mile run. <gasps> Taylor Swift. So no, you've yes. done seven miles and it's eight in the morning. Oh. Yep. There's just no way I'm going to compete with that. <laughs> Honestly, if I'd done seven miles, I would be dead on a sofa for the remainder mm-hmm. of the day. There's, that's <laughs> very well impressive. Done. Yeah. Well done. Nice so, are job. you are you like a serious? You know, do you compete? Are you really, in, or is it just for personal fitness? Uh, personal, yeah. whatever. I compete against myself. I, you know, back in the day, I ran to run for times and stuff like that. In fact, there's a shirt, a running shirt that goes around now that I see every once in a while. It says the the older 
I get the faster I was, which is so true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm like, I just, I don't have the, the energy to, you know, you know, I run yeah. for my own time trying yeah, to get yeah, personal yeah. goals, yeah. but yes. Well, congratulations. Honestly, like a third of a marathon, no, a quarter ish. Well done. Um, before eight o'clock in the morning, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Very impressive. I'm just going to put the, uh, put the screen on, just let you know what we're doing today. This is our website, WP Builds. Dot com where we introduce a new podcast each and every week comes out on a Thursday. We obviously do this uh, weekly WordPress news show this week in WordPress, it's called, and it comes out on a Monday. Well, we do the live on a Monday and then we republish it on a Tuesday morning. You want to stay up to date with that, you can click onto this little form here on the website and subscribe, and we will keep you informed about all the things that we're doing each week. Just on some housekeeping news, if you are watching this live and you wish to remain anonymous, that's fine. If you're on Facebook, your profile and photo will not come across unless you click on the button. It's, uh, there's a little button at the well, it's not a button, it's in the text of the post. You've got to go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB and then click a button, and it will enable us to see your picture, a bit like Cameron did. Uh, got Cameron. Oh, he's on YouTube, so that's slightly different. But uh, anyway, if you want to make some comments, please feel free to do that. The other thing to say is, well, if you've got any comments, just drop them in, and we'll try to put them on the screen uh, if they're suitable and, uh, and on message, then we'll do that. But that's it, really. We'll crack on with the news, and we've got a fair few bits and pieces. Now, I feel some of this might be a little bit older than we would normally do. Normally we cover the, the previous seven days, but I've been on holiday for the previous 14. So a couple of these pieces might be rehashes that you've seen elsewhere. But um, nevertheless, there's some value in it. So we'll, we'll mention all of those. And it's actually not me that's kicking us off today. It's going to be Paul. He's going to be talking about WordPress 5.9. Yes, yeah, so we got we got 5.8 already, so we're now thinking ahead already to 5.9. And uh, Matthias Ventura has done a post on make.wordpress.org, which is called Preliminary Road to 5.9. And he's highlighting some of the different things that we should expect to see in 5.9. It seems to me like most of the things they're talking about here will definitely make it into 5.9 because um, they all seem reasonable in terms of scale, I imagine. Uh, but there's also there's a partner um, post on the WP Tavern uh, by Justin Tadlock that's called Early WordPress 5.9 Look, the Road Towards Deeper Responsive Block Design. But um, Justin's article focuses mainly on the responsive side of things, but uh, Matthias's main post is about more or less everything that they're doing. But some of the highlights in there are obviously the uh, the responsive design aspects that they're going to try and focus on for blocks. So whether you're creating a design for desktop and then you want it to look good on tablets or uh, mobiles and stuff like that, which is always a challenge, um, especially if with the block editor, you don't have a pure visual representation of what you're seeing. So they're going to try and address that, which is great news for anybody who's using the block editor at any level, whether you're using it for full sites or a page builder um, replacement, or you're using it like me, <clears throat> just for simple things like um, blog uh, blog posts and stuff like that. To to give a little bit of context on um, the problem around responsive design that a lot of people would get, especially if they're not designers, is what happens when one block hits another block. Especially, so if you've got a, a light-colored block hitting a light-colored block, how much padding should be between those two blocks vertically. Whereas if you've got a light block hitting a dark block, 
should the padding be different or the margins be different accordingly. So hopefully what they're going to do is find a way that makes that less of a problem for people and improves how websites tend to look online. Because what you will see sometimes in blog posts, especially with the block editor now, is a paragraph and then there's a big gap on mobile and then there's another paragraph. You're wondering why did they put that big gap there? And they, the user didn't. They just didn't really you know, understand how to make that look good on the mobile mobile there. A few of the other good things that they seem to be um, interested in, in sorting out is um, a, more of a sort of design system for colors, typography, spacing, and layout. At the moment, we've got um, third-party vendors. Uh, me and Nathan were talking before the show about um, vendors like Cadence Blocks and Stackable, for instance, who basically had to invent their own way of managing things like um, typography and colors consistently across all their different blocks. But it looks like the the core team is going to try and address this. And the screenshot that I see on the make WordPress.org looks like a very sensible approach where there is, um, they've broken down, um, for instance, presets like the ability to choose large, a large, medium or small, which might be built into the theme, for instance. But then you can get more granular and you can choose the, the font size and the line height and and those kind of things. But how they've designed, how these initial designs look um, makes a lot of sense to me, which is a pain point for sure for users who are using multiple blog uh, block sets. I was in the back end, uh, or I saw a screenshot of the back end of a major WordPress brand um, the other day, and this brand had five block sets on there. So mm. five, yeah, five full block sets. So there was probably something like 150 blocks, third-party blocks installed on this. And obviously all of them would have had their own way of coping with the typography and the colors because there wasn't a core way at the beginning when those early, early developers started. So this will hopefully... Um, create some some good stuff for the future on that um, on that sense and also now I don't know what this means and I want to chuck this one over to Brian in a minute but apparently another thing they're doing is an interface for theme.json I don't fully understand what theme.json is I see you talking about it Brian from time to time um, and excited about certain things that you can do with it so um, maybe we should start there and then come back to the um, the responsive stuff and the typography stuff. Uh, so yeah, Brian, do you know, is, is this stuff about theme.json good news for us all? And is it good news for you? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but mm. I'm hopefully trying to disprove that here with, uh, <laughs> with what WordPress is doing. I, I attempted to sort of dodge that uh, situation Ultimately, when we sold to WP Engine, I wasn't sure I had the energy and thought I would want to go do something else, but I was uh, sorely mistaken. Uh, that being said, uh, when I decided to sort of come back uh, and build WordPress products, I made the commitment to myself that uh, not only would I do it quote, the WordPress way, I would also do it the WordPress way, which means uh, I would not try to reinvent any wheel and I would um, push myself to learn things that I didn't know anything about. And the theme.json uh, stuff is sort of like the, the a current example of something that shipped in WordPress 5.8. And I have ad nauseum uh, been immersing myself in it, trying to push it in terms of like understanding what it is, how it works, kind of, and all of that. Uh, to answer the question in terms of the interface for theme.json, uh, I love what I see. I love this whole post. I think Matthias uh, has quite a bit of 
sort of a design background coming into this project. And so from my perspective, uh, I always appreciate that because things look good and feel good. Um, what I see in that screenshot in particular makes me really happy. Uh, I know that uh, several, and we had to deal with this at Studio Press, right? We, you know, even over the years, just people would, would install plugins and plugins would do different things. And this was even before Blocks, like, oh, this doesn't look good with your theme. And because it's, you know, plugins have their own styles. And, and unlike some of the contact form plugins, uh, there's no way to sort of disable those styles. Uh, one of the things I love most about contact forms like WP forms and Ninja forms is that there's like that little option that that turns off styles, right? You know, removes the opinionation, which allows the theme to do it, which is, I think, sometimes better experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so that being said, uh, what, what I love most about the theme.json stuff is that it really... It, it, it removes the need to have uh, styles both in the theme style sheet and in the editor style sheet. Uh, what this does, it sort of, it brings parity in one place. Uh, if you define something in theme.json, not only does it output on the front end, it also outputs in the editor. And there's only one place there. A lot of times, you know, half of my block uh, editor styles style sheet was a carbon copy of what was in the style sheet. And every once in a while, I'd forget to copy things over and paste, right? Because you've got to, you know, the, the goal here is to to serve up um, a similar experience on the back end and the front end. And while it's easy to do in two different places, it's easier to do when you have it in one place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That it looks it looks really clever. I've got to got to just gonna put that photo up. Um on the screen now, if you're listening to this, we've got the uh, the blog post over at make.wordpress.org, the Maton. And uh, links in the show notes, by the way. And it's got what looks to me like it, this kind of is how I always wanted it to be. I don't know if it is supposed to be laid out like this, or is or is this just a screenshot? Is everything going to be arranged horizontally in this way? In other words, um, you know, are we are we just looking at different adaptations of the same settings? Or I think are they we hoping, are. Yeah, damn. Yeah, <laughs> I think just is one thing, and each yeah. each column shows a different. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was really hoping that it was just going to be things put next to each other instead of like in the customizer where you constantly scroll and get lost. It just strikes <laughs> me that in the Gutenberg era where we can use the whole screen, that might have been quite a nice yeah. thing to have. Um, so it makes things easier, basically. From a theme development point of view, you just have to, you use less time, you do things once and it's in one place and everybody's happy. That's nice. The, um, the question that Paul raised, I guess, is going to be something that the block pack people, the likes of Stackable and Cadence, they're, they've made up their own uh, way of doing this and I presume it would be in their best interest at some point to hop on board the way that it's going to be done in full site editing um, so that it's easy for them to maintain and decouple from what they've already created but I suppose they had to go around doing it that way because otherwise they wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have hit the market with something that allowed them to do things like global styles and so on so yeah we'll have to wait yeah that's that. what we were talking about that it, it seems that with the if the block the, the blocks will have like this kind of more um, fully featured um, design tools for typography and colors and stuff like that, that some of the original block packs like Stackable and Cadence might have to walk back some of their things. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of inconsistency. Mm. But at the same time, you know, they probably had to make a decision. If we wait until it's all done, we won't be new to the market. We won't get that big boost to our PR and everything. So we'll launch now we'll invent our own design system. And if we can walk back on it to a certain extent, then we will later, I imagine is what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, 
I chatted yeah. to Ben Intel for a podcast a little while ago. He's the founder of mm. Stackable, and he said exactly that. They just made the decision that they were going to go their own way, and then when things became more consistent and clarified, then they would just essentially unpick everything that they'd done and try to try to make it work in the the, the sort of the WordPress way. So, yeah, that's interesting. So the the article goes into more. It goes into um, endeavors to make patterns more useful, patterns, directories, and so on. Um, and then editing, formalizing editing workflows for the for block themes. But uh, Matthias's is, is is bullet points, and it's a little bit harder to read straight off the bat. But if you go to the WordPress Tavern uh, article, Justin Tadlock's one again, linked in the show notes, then you'll uh, you'll get the more prosaic mm. version. So yeah, can I can I ask Brian about uh, Frost WP on in res, re, relation to this? Um, so for instance, um, let's say Genesis. Uh, you would release a uh, Genesis child theme. It would have a, a, a CSS file where all the style was kind of defined in there. Um, in my own experience, for instance, I've done some templates for Beaver Builder that are releasing soon. And the only way I can guarantee, for instance, typography across the board is to put some CSS in with the templates because I don't know which theme is going to be um, mm. trying to override that. And also, in my comments in the CSS, I'm saying, you can probably remove this if your, if your theme um, covers that. So what I'm wondering with theme.json, how much, if any, uh, CSS would you need to create to deploy one of your sort of, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if I call them child themes, but inside your starter sites in FrostWP, you have a bunch of different starter sites. <clears throat> Assuming block editor in Gutenberg goes the way that we think it's going, would that mean you would have no CSS in your starter sites, or would you still need some for certain aspects? Uh, so the short answer is, I think the ultimate goal is to try to minimize. I don't think there's yeah. ever an instance in which Gutenberg or the block editor or WordPress will result in zero CSS. I think there's just too many things outside of what I think WordPress should serve up sort of at mm. a core level. Transitions, I think, were, were kind of always a thing that I, I've seen um, animation effects, things like that, where there's really no good way to do that just in a GUI. Uh, and so on some level, there will always be a need for a style sheet. Um, currently, the Frost style sheet with theme JSON, here's some transparency, is still 1,700 uh, lines long. There's still yeah. so much. And, and mainly because right now, um, I've made the decision as a shippable product not to rely on Gutenberg. <laughs> I got a dog bark. Don't worry, Sorry. I've got one here as well. <laughs> uh, I've made the decision not to um, to do anything production ready that requires Gutenberg, just because Gutenberg's evolving and there's breaking mm -hmm. changes, and I don't feel you know yep. I don't feel good about serving that up and requiring that because that breaks production sites for folks, and that's really bad. So, um, so that being said, I'm intimately acquainted between the differences in theme.json that WordPress core currently allows, what Gutenberg currently allows. They kind of unpack it a little bit more, uh, and so. Basically, the way it started was when I started playing with the theme.json, I would I started with the blank file and just looking at the tutorials, I think Caroline has got a really good one out there. Like there's um, the full site editing.com um, site has been super helpful in all of this. Is I would just introduce a theme.json and then go back into the two style sheets and figure out, okay, what does this cannibalize basically? What does this remove the need? Uh, to have. And so like little by little, I think my theme.json file is a couple hundred lines long. And so like it's pulled stuff out of the style sheets and it's just going to be a moving, uh, a moving target. Uh, that being said, the, uh, for clarity's sake, um, 
Frost's theme is only one theme. It's a child theme of Genesis right now. And anything that we see in the starter sites doesn't require, quote, additional CSS. That's just all baked into the main theme and sort of the, the patterns and the presentation of everything sort of inherits either the, you know, the black editor controls kind of by way of the main Frost um, style sheet. Uh, and so Frost is only one theme and the starter sites are just basically imported content and patterns um, to get people going. So, Got it. That's cool. Yeah. It seems that you're going a route that is very low risk in terms of, for instance, we were talking about a video from David Von Gries from Page Builder Framework in a while. And he obviously has a theme that's been around before the block editor. And now he's got to try and work around it. And then you've also got, you know, Cadence and Stackable and those sort of people creating their own blocks. It seems to me that what you said earlier about that you're going the WordPress way completely means that you're you're deliberate deliberately avoiding conflicts with the project all along the way, which is which is pretty unique. I'm not just saying that just to stroke your um, ego or just to you know pat you on the back there, but I think there's a lot of blog posts out there. I saw by John James, uh, there was a Twitter thing by Chris Wiegman, I think that's how you say it, and uh, some follow-up posts by John James Jacoby about how difficult it is to get into WordPress. And then Matthias from from make, from, from WordPress.org was saying, no, no, we're trying to make it easier for people to get in. And you can see that if you're fighting the, the if you're fighting to do it the old way, then you probably are fighting against the tide. But there isn't many people going against it with the tide. It seems that you are doing that. And that, that seems relatively unique to me. I'm not uh, too aware of, because most people are going for like, let's create loads of blocks, try and mm. let's try and create what people could do before. So it'll be interesting to see, and hopefully you'll come on again as, you know, 5.9 and, and whatever comes after 5.9 um, comes out, how much you are able to keep transitioning out of that style sheet and you know, and, and making it making it as streamlined as possible. I don't know if I've understood that right, but that's what I'm, I'm observing from Frost. It's a, it's some people might say, oh, it doesn't do as much as this, but I seem to see it be deliberately going at this from a completely different angle than anyone else seems to be going with. Do you guys remember uh, the Tim Thumb fiasco from I don't know if yeah. you, how long you guys? That was a long time ago, yeah. and uh, I, I remember to this day. Uh, we had originally Nathan Rice and I, he was a co-creator of Genesis. To this day, I remember where I was. And I always tell the story, I may have even said this here before. Uh, we had put Tim Thumb into Genesis as the image resizing script, right? We basically wanted to, you know, magazine, <laughs> magazine sites were, you know, and we had, we had implemented that, had not shipped it yet. And I was at a Chase Bank in Schaumburg, Illinois, when uh, he had literally just finished implementing it. WordPress featured image capability resizing kind of became a thing in core. And I said to him, I said, Hey, I think we really need to just pull Tim thumb out and replace it with the WordPress and, and leverage that. Uh, and shortly thereafter, that's when the whole Tim thumb, you know, exploitation mm -hmm. security fiasco went down. Uh, and, and it kind of taught us a lesson. And at that point we really doubled down on always serving up sort of, you know, expected WordPress behavior, even from our settings pages, inheriting, you know, UI that's within the dashboard and stuff like that. And thankfully it's gotten better. Um, 
just inside of core. And so I've always sort of defaulted to just going that route. I don't have any need or I don't have a vanity issue where I need to create my own version of the WordPress dashboard. I don't mm -hmm. need to, you know, put my logo inside of it and do things that other people have done. And it's just easy. It just, we always thought Genesis was so good because nobody knew where like WordPress started and Genesis ended. Like it was just like a seamless thing where you're like, oh, am I in WordPress? This makes sense. This is what I expected this screen to look look like and stuff like that so mm. um so yes you are correct frost is that way uh and re regarding blocks and block first of all I, I don't know how to build blocks so there's that but um mm. second of all half of the the blocks that people put into these these mega catalogs end up getting cannibalized by wordpress anyways right like mm. you know i think early on there were some folks that were there and said hey here's some awesome blocks and then like a month or two later they're in wordpress core which then reduces the value of the block libraries yeah so if i were to you know, and I've said this before, if I were to ever do uh, any kind of block anything with Frost, it would be more in like the vertical sense. Like we, you know, we would build blocks that were specific to an industry that really solved a problem, not just to yep. say we've had a block library of a hundred different blocks that you could use anywhere else. So. That makes sense. Yeah, it's Peter Ingersoll in the comments saying basically that the ongoing challenge of having a favorite third party solution versus when WordPress catches up and deciding yep. how best to proceed. It's interesting actually, because you've, you've come to the market I don't know if it was from from everything that you said. It may be that you you didn't sort of deliberately wait it out. It was just the inspiration came to you at, at the time when it did. But in a way, if, if you'd have jumped in right at the beginning, you 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 yourself would be having to unpick all this legacy. But you've come in at the point where there's maturity. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there already, and you're good to go. It's nice. I am. Um, mm. I had the yeah. I had the the website up uh, just a second ago. If you want to check out Frost then go to frostwp.com um, and you'll see a very nice website showing off all of mm -hmm. Brian's. And Brian specifically book. said, you know, oh, don't make this episode a sales pitch, but we, uh, <laughs> we're we interested because it, it's very interesting, the, the news items we've got. Yeah. They're very Gutenberg-y yeah. this, this yeah. week yeah. and they're very Gutenberg-y at the moment. No, no, I'm happy, and, to, uh, happy to yeah. push that on the screen. Uh, for by sure. the way, if, if um, Little Doggy needs some attention, then feel free to drop out for a few minutes. I was just going to yeah put that in the notes. Give me like two seconds. I'm just going to yeah, yeah, open yeah. the door. Go, go, go ahead. We'll, we'll go crack ahead. on with the next bit. Um, yep. That's fine. Okay, so thank you, Peter, for your comment. And um, hello, Maya. I'm expecting that's Maya, Hi, Maya. Uh, Longcar, but yeah. um, I haven't got Facebook open. But if you wish, Maya, to have your name, then click on that URL. Um, there we go. And you'll be well, not click on it, chat.restream.io forward slash Facebook if you want your, your details to come across. Okay, there we go. Let's move on quickly then. We're, um, we're moving on now. Let's leave that behind. We're going to go on to acquisitions. Now, this is pure coincidence, but I did a, a podcast episode recently with uh, a gentleman that we've all heard of before, Corey Miller, formerly from iThemes, now the owner of PostStatus, which is a, a fabulous place to find all sorts of WordPress communities and news. And we talked over at WP Tavern on the podcast I do over there about the acquisitions landscape and the mergers landscape. It was a really interesting conversation. I'm really, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because it fills, fits in beautifully with the next item. But I was quite interested to hear Corey's take on this because he has a, well, Brian also will have a unique take on this. But Corey obviously has been through this selling iThemes, Brian obviously selling 
um, Studio Press, the WP Engine. And uh, we talked through the good and the bad. We split the conversation into good and bad. And there were so many things that came out of that conversation that I didn't expect. Just as an example, things like healthcare for the the people working in the companies. And anyway, I would highly encourage you to listen to that. It is a really nice, it's a conversation much more than previous episodes we've done. So go and check that out. But the reason it's relevant is because I'm sure that you have not managed to avoid this piece of news this week. This, I really didn't see this coming. Uh, Of all the companies in the WordPress space that I kind of felt like it's not going to be bought out, it's too big, it's going to be doing the buying. Yoast was probably right near the top of my list. And yet we have uh, the piece of news that Yoast joins Newfold Digital. Um, Marika van der Acht and her husband Yoast have basically for an undisclosed amount of money it, well i say it's undisclosed it's not disclosed in this article maybe it's public any elsewhere but they've uh, they've sold and their 140 employees are going to go over and work under the umbrella of newfold digital the the interesting thing here it's it's the usual trope that comes out you know nothing's basically going to change the reason that we've sold it is because it will allow us to, well, it allow us to have a, a access to money that we wouldn't already have. It was quite interesting. If you actually read this piece, and I can't remember exactly where it is now, they did mention the fact that they had they had anxiety, both of them, about the, the future. And they found that the fact that they were bootstrapped the whole time, they've never taken money before. It led them to be a little bit more perhaps conservative is the right word with the way that they approach the business. And so they they mentioned, I can't remember the exact wording, but basically that they were more cautious than they thought they could have been in the past, which is intriguing. It's an insight I didn't really, didn't really think about. And so this hopefully will give them access to ready money and we'll see. We'll see how this goes. But a bit of a shock. I think the main angle of shock came not from the fact that Yoast had sold, but because of where it had been sold to. The the parent company, uh, Newfold Digital, has a whole bunch of companies beneath it. And I saw all sorts of commentary, which was, you know, concerned, let's just put it that way, about who they had sold to. So really, I'm just going to open the floor up to Paul and uh, Brian, what they think about this deal. Um, Is it inevitable that this will make things better for them? Will it make things better for the end users? Who knows? I'd love to know how much money was was changing hands for this as well. (laughs) I've got some thoughts. Uh, First of all, I'm not surprised that they were sold, and I'm also not surprised. I'm not surprised that uh, EIG or Newfold um, bought them, uh, because that's a company with the amount the amount of money you need to buy Yoast. So there's not many companies that could do that. I'd Good be point. kind of less surprised if Automatic had bought Yoast, because they seem to be buddies at the corporate level. For you know, they've they've been they've. You know, they probably have their stands next to each other at all the shows and all that kind of thing. So, but, and, you know, Automatic probably had the money, but maybe didn't feel the need and they've obviously bought something else. Um, so it was one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, good. first of all, well done yeah. to, to the, the founders of Yoast for building something so successful and, and we can only guess how much this was sold for. And, you know, people on Twitter are guessing like anything from six to $30 million. And we'll probably never find out, but it's going to be a huge amount of money. And they'll be able to put that into the product, I think. 
No, just some, before, sorry, yeah, just before yeah. the call, Paul and I were talking about this, and we were saying, you know, no matter where you stand, and so, for example, Cameron in the comments is saying, um, uh, you know, congratulations to Yost and Marika, but uh, the EIG, is that, is that right? Is it EIG? Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he said it leaves a bitter taste in his mouth, at least, anyway. I, I, Paul and I were just sort of saying, honestly, if, if you were like them, Imagine putting yourself in their shoes and more or less any company comes to you and says, here's a ton of money. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not going to be as straightforward as a decision to just sort of say, well, I don't know that I align perfectly with the with the history of that company. You know, they've they've done such hard work. You don't have to, work. though. You no. don't have to. I mean, no. you, you know, all the products we use have got dubious things going on all around the world from whether it's you know the phones that we use to the laptops that we use or whatever but you know i think probably in the i would want in my contract that i didn't have to publicly um support some of their other products and say that they were good and as long as i didn't have to do that i would take the money yeah and to be honest, yeah. if they said you have to support the other products, I'd still take the money. Yeah. But if I didn't need, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think uh, EIG owns a couple of big hosting companies. Bluehost is one of them. I think uh, Hostgator is one of them, and they get a lot of bad press. I've never actually, I've used Hostgator years ago. Actually, never had a problem with it. Um, nothing ever went wrong, but I've never used it in the modern the modern times. Uh, Bluehost used to be one of the cool kids at one point, and um, but I've never been burnt by by the EIG companies. But I believe everyone who says that they genuinely have, and so I've, I can only believe those people. Most of the people who are saying that would would have been burnt by something EIG has has had are probably the people who are smart enough to also say. I was already kind of looking at alternatives to Yoast anyway because I'd found more edge products, whether it's SEO Press or SEO Framework, and I was moving over to those. Most of the time I've seen someone complain about the EIG thing, they said that as well, um, or a lot of them did. Um, so I think this is just part of what WordPress space looks like now. That, you mm. know, It's all getting bought out. Um, the, community has, the community does feel a little bit left out to a certain extent that, you know, it's everything's been bought out. But I can only see this going from this 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 plugin going into the stratosphere, really. I think it's, you know, there'll be a SaaS version of it or something. I don't know what they'll do. But, you know, they don't buy something that big and then just, and all they're going to do is pre-install it on Bluehost, Bluehost hosting accounts. Um, I think they must have some big plans for it. The last thing, the last thing I said, I brought something up on Twitter. Bluehost is owned by e, uh, EIG or Newfold or whatever. They are listed on the, the WordPress.org recommended hosts page, of which there's only three: SiteGround, Bluehost, and uh, DreamHost, I think. And I just brought up that I felt it was the time now to um, remove that page from WordPress.org. Now that one of the one of those three hosts owns a plugin that it will put into its pre-installed hosting accounts. And I think that Bluehost can't sit on that page and not get people coming up with theories that there's something dodgy going on there. If if you can have a situation where that page actually is massively helping the plugin as well because it's pre-installed. Yeah. So I think it's it's time to to revisit that one. Um, I, there's there's my my 
brain dump on that. That didn't really leave any questions as such. But Brian, I don't know if you've got anything you want to add as well, obviously. Um, yeah, there. I come at it from a different angle, right? Because um, on some level, some of the, the negativity that comes around things like this, I've had to deal with. And in fact, twice this week, uh, I've been sort of dogged again for you know, quote, selling out to, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, screwing over my community and whatever these, you know, allegations are, uh, oh. you know, just, and, and so it's fresh in my, like, I literally just yesterday had to defend myself in a blog post, mostly filled with misinformation. Um, so what, what it does is it makes me think of a couple things. One outside of myself, I think of who's saying it, right. Uh, people who are, and I'm sort of, uh, high, high, uh, high level assessing this. Uh, people who are lazy in their business because, oh, this thing that just worked might not. And now I may have to come up with a solution, which means I have to do research or learn something new or whatever. So they kind of, oh, that's not fair. That sucks. I'm, you know, this, they should, you know, th then you get sort of that peanut gallery approach. Um, I, the second part of it is that there's a whole lot of envy going on when people start smacking around. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like, this righteous, I would never sell or how dare they sell, you know, type of thing. I'm like, you know, Paul, I think you said it like, yeah, sure. If the right offer came at the right time, of course you'd sell it's a lot of why we do what we do. But here's the one thing I'll say about Yoast and I'll say it about myself because somebody made some comment about, uh, I, I wish I had the article open, but I'm like, look, I'm like, you, I didn't just jump off and jump around and do things. Like if anything in the WordPress team space, I was the longest tenured ever. You know, like at some point, 12 years of the same thing, it's time to do something different, you know, and, and if you do it responsibly, we did at Studio Press, we picked the best partner, somebody who made commitments, somebody who fulfilled those promises, somebody who took care of the community, the product, like all these things. And you still get people who, you know, on Facebook just the other day, oh, Brian Gardner sold out. I'm like, of course I did. Like at the time it was either, it, you know, and this introduces mental health issues. Like at the time I was ready, I was ready to go. And if, if I felt forced because community people didn't want me to quote, sell out and live on an Island, which is of course not, never was the case. <laughs> you know, I think that's that pipe dream. Oh, he said he got an Island and he, he doesn't care about us anymore. So not true. I was caring about myself and my family when I made the decision. Um, but like at the end of the day, like Yoast has been around forever, you know, like, of course, at some point it's like, you know, football players at some point, they got to hang it up. And I'm not saying he's hanging it up or I'm hanging it up, but at some point it's, it's time to just say, okay, I'm done bearing that weight, that responsibility, the conservativeness right. that, that he's experienced. Uh, we did at studio press and that's why we sold. I sat across the table from Brian Clark and said, Hey, Gutenberg's coming and we have rainmaker and copy blogger and all these other things. If we can't give studio press and the Genesis brand, the, the energy and the team and the power that I think it's going to take to really do continue and do something special in the WordPress space, then I think it's time to sell and find somebody who can help us do that. Right. That's exactly what we did. We, yeah. we found WP engine, you know, We've got product managers. There's teams over there, like around Genesis, like 10 times as many people who were ever working on it are working on it now. So I take, uh, I get really over, uh, really defensive when I see people in Twitter talk up or Facebook or wherever talk about, oh, how WP Engine's done this and that. And they've dropped the ball and all these things. And the first thing I do is jump in and say, baloney. Like, hmm. you know, and I'm not even intimately involved anymore like I used to be, but I sat on calls with 10 people who were talking about what to do with Genesis before it was Nathan and I like that's 
five times as many people. So I come at it from that perspective. So I'm a little bit fired up right now because uh, like I said yesterday, I would defend myself. I'm like, come on, people. I'm like, it's either. Yeah, M- it, it's, it's, it's been such a long time as well. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and, exactly. and, yeah. And I was accused of coming back and abandoning the Genesis community. And I'm like, first of all, do you realize Frost is a Genesis theme? No. Okay, there goes half your argument. You know, yeah. like, so yeah. people just, it's easy to have opinions. It is, it is, isn't it? And and I think what what's curious to me, one of the things that, that I noticed, not just, um, on places like Facebook, but but elsewhere, is that the first thing that tends to happen is that all these threads open up on social media about what's the alternative that you're now going to start using it, as opposed to, oh, this is curious. Let's see how this works out. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, what are you going to use instead? So there was lots of posts about, well, what's what's going to be your new favorite SEO plugin? I just thought I'd share the, um, the actual text because I did, I did think that was quite nice. It says, mm-hmm. Marika and I have felt since this COVID pandemic hit that we need needed partner a partner or some some more financial backing said Yoast of Volk being totally bootstrapped was getting to us we worried about the exchange rate of the dollar for instance we got risk averse and all around us other companies got financial injections so a bit of um a bit of perspective there you know they were feeling totally yeah. without the money they were going to be left behind because of the the way it the way it created a sort of risk averse culture between the two of them. And of course it's, you know, it's their, it's a baby. They've been doing this since day one. And, um, and you know, you, you want to, you've got 140 people on your payroll. You want to do the right thing for them and giving them this stability is, um, is a good thing. I, I, I agree with Brian on this. I mean, I shut down in December, a company of four employees and, and it wasn't a sellable company. So I had to make a decision, you know, that those four people would need to find other ways to put food on their table as such. And if you are, if you first of all, a number of things, like what Brian said, if you are um, the co-founders of Yoast and you've made something super successful, and at some point you literally are just saying to yourself, I I just wanna I just wanna stop now. Yeah. I wanna do so I wanna do something different, or at least in a year after I've done my sort of tenure with the, what I need to do. What are you supposed to do? Just shut it down and say, okay, 140 employees times perhaps, you know, 2.5 children or whatever. Let's let's just say that's, you know, they they put food on the table potentially for around five to six hundred people. You can't just say, oh, I'm not gonna sell out because, you know, some people will give me a hard time on on social media or something like that. The thing is, Nathan. Me and Nathan had a call earlier, just like, how, how's it going? How was your holiday? And one of the things Nathan had to do was give me a bit of a pep talk on ignore things people say on social media. So, <laughs> so I didn't really ask him about his holiday. I just went, woe is me. Some things on social media are annoying me. And, um, and Nathan just pointed out that the, the voices who are very you know loud on social media about any subject are not the majority. So, you know, in Brian's case, you know, he has to defend himself when some a couple of individuals will have a go at him, but the majority of people either don't care or wish you all the best. And I think that's the same thing for for Yoast. Uh, you know, yeah, there's it's an interesting talking point that EIG was the one who bought them, but we're the only people who really care about that are us enthusiasts who are completely nerding that's out right. about yeah. every single aspect about it. So I'm glad that the co-founders can, like they said in that post, there's things starting to bother bother them. They, they, they grew huge. They're almost potentially even asking themselves, is this, is this too big for us now where this would end up going? Is it time for someone else to, to take the reins? And that's what they've decided to do. 
good luck to them. They've they've and they've secured those careers for all of those people who work for them for the foreseeable for as long as they possibly could, and they've made that decision. So I just think you know all the best to them really, and yep. and the the social media uh, fallout will always happen. It will. Kind of it really will. And yet yeah. there's the vast, 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 vast majority of people will say nothing. Yeah. And they probably will agree with you. You know, it's only that, like Cameron's just said in the comment, the uh, the loudest voices often aren't the smartest either. I think Brian's got something else he wants to add. Yeah. So back to you, Brian. Yeah. Following up on Paul, what you just said, um, nobody knows. I mean, everyone wants to know how much money it was, but nobody knows sort of what the the rest of the deal looked like, right? I know when... Yeah. And not many people know this. I don't broadcast this, but I sometimes feel like I need to. Uh, when WP Engine, we were talking to them and others for that matter, but WP Engine, there were two non-negotiables. I was, we, we were not going to sign a contract to sell Studio Press unless these two things were met. One, uh, they had to continue the product. Like in other words, they couldn't just buy it and shut it down, um, which would have made no sense because they really were buying the, the brand and the product and the community, the developer community that went with it. Um, and, and number two is they got to take my people, right? Like I wasn't going to sell and they were going to fire everybody. This is not an asset purchase. This was, um, it, it was part of, you know, we had other offers where people wanted, where they wanted to do that. And I, it was a non-negotiable. I said, I will not sell to you on, you know, it would have been difficult <laughs> had it been a significantly higher amount of money. I still wouldn't have done it, but, um, at the end of the day, I told them, I'm like, look, there's, and it was the smaller team, you know, we didn't have 140, so it, it you know. The scale's smaller, but you know we had like ten or twelve people. Where I was like, "Look, there's first of all ten or twelve people who I directly know make money from what we do and put food on the table. You have to take them over, or at least have to put them and try to figure out a way to do." It. And I believe everyone came over that chose to. So that so there was that. But even the community part of it, you know, hundreds of people in the Genesis community have businesses and put food on their table by what we do. So there was a lot of people. You know, and people just say, oh, he sold out. He's on an island. Da, 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 da. They don't realize like the deal structure, which had some ne- non-negotiable things. And I, I'm going to only assume that Yoast uh, and his yeah. wife had something similar. It's like, hey, we're not going to do this where you're just going to whack off 140 people, uh, you know, because that's not fair. And that's just not who we are. So I think people need to consider that stuff, too. Yeah, no, that's really interesting that you mentioned that. I think that's a really cool thing to have brought up. And it, it, the, the article does make clear that it says doesn't the wording is whilst Yoast does not plan to change the 140 person team it's bringing in fresh talent in fact and apparently they've got 19 job openings i don't know if they're off the back of this new investment that they felt that they can get 20 more people on board or not but yeah that is really interesting the the non-negotiables did you feel when you were when you had those two non-negotiables did that did that kind of give you butterflies did you think all right i'm going to stick with this come what may in other words was it easy for you to go to these companies like WP Engine and say those things? Or did you feel like, oh, no, this might, you might really muddy the water or spoil the deal? Uh, it was. And again, I've also said this, and I will say this even to, to Jason Cohn and Heather. Um, at, the, at the start of it, WP Engine was not at the top of the list of people who I thought I would want to sell to. Um, I just had some misconceptions around them. And very quickly in the negotiation process and just the conversations, I was like, man, I was dead wrong, dead wrong about their company, their culture, all that stuff. Uh, and it, and, it, and the fact that there wasn't any pit in my stomach when I was having these conversations with them. And I think that's like why I think they kind of assumed that that was going to be the case, right? They yeah. came in and said, you know, this is not what we're interested in. We're interested in the community, the brand, the people, all of it. 
you know, and me on some level. Uh, and so it was just like, it was more of just like a reinforcement, just, Hey, making sure guys that this is the plan rather than, Oh, it's this way or no way kind of an approach. And, and they, they were like, of course, that's exactly what we had planned. We're going to continue the product. We want to bring your people over. Why would we disrupt something like that? And I believe the flywheel acquisition was very much the same. They brought the team over intact. They left the brand alone, you know? So in most cases, uh, I can't speak for EIG because I just don't know all of what goes on over there. But at least in our case, you know, it was really, it, and then, and when we had that conversation, I was like to our team, I was like, yeah, this is the right partner. Somebody yeah. who, who looks at it this way uh, is clearly people who we want to do business with. So this, this conversation really is the conversation of our time in WordPress, this whole mergers acquisitions thing. It really does seem to be apart from Gutenberg and all the things surrounding that, it really does feel like merger and acquisitions are a really important bit of the ecosystem at the moment with that i am going to replug my um my podcast episode with cory miller because we we strayed and we've we've used more time on this than i think we we're anticipating and just makes me feel this is actually quite an important topic cory really did open up about this and he gave me lots of points to think about so go and check that out episode 6 wptavern.com forward slash podcast right should we move on yeah should we just do a quick shout out to david von Gries's video Yes. And, um, oh, sorry. Before we do that, can I just put up uh, one more comment? Where's it gone? And it was to do with your uh, thing there, Paul. Uh, he was talking about the page uh, on WordPress.org. Yeah. Is it WordPress.org? Yes. With the, the recommended hosts and uh, Peter saying he thinks maybe in the spirit of WordPress, it's now time to have that page taken down as well. So. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Don't have too much hope. But um, <laughs> things been going on for ten years. That debate. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to mention? I can't play you a video, so I'm just showing you a screen. This yeah. is the best screenshot I could get of David. Every time I moved it along to get a better screenshot, it ended up with some sort of half eyes closed kind of thing. So, David, apologies if that's not the best photo. But there we go. This is David's video. Tell us about it, Paul. So yeah, if you just look up David Von Gries on YouTube, you'll find this video and he's started doing a bunch of videos now actually. And this video is one that seemed to get quite a lot of um, reaction to it in, in various parts of the, mainly in the Facebook kind of community and also on Twitter. Uh, the video is called, Is Gutenberg Killing WordPress Themes? Question mark. Challenges for a theme developer in a Gutenberg world. And it's just David's very honest and open take on... Um, the challenges of having a theme that was built in the age of um, when page builders were, you know, emerging as it. So you could kind of say that, you know, Genesis was one one um, one generation, and then the generation after that was, you know, page builder framework and and generate press and uh, Astra, perhaps so those those bunch of different themes. So he's come he's come into this from that generation where he's looked specifically at page builders and he's kind of talking about the frustrations with Gutenberg but he's not he's not uh, ranting about it at all he's just making everybody aware of what those challenges are and also the decisions that he has to make for his company in and around um, in and around what parts of Gutenberg he will or won't support uh, one of the things that he said is tricky, and maybe theme.json will solve this for him in the future, I don't really know the extent of how far it goes, is that when he was working with any of the page builders, whether it's Elementor or Beaver Builder or any of those different tools, he would find that the design system was purely contained inside that, um, inside that page builder. 
And the theme knew what it needed to do and the page builder knew what it needed to do. And there was, and, and yes, there was some crossover things that needed to happen, but it was quite simple for themes to see where what the role of a theme was and what the role of the design tool was. And what he's saying is that um, he finds it quite difficult to, to find that line of where his customizer type settings should override Gutenberg things or vice versa. Um, and so it's just really a, a really good, interesting video on that kind of challenge and a few other things as well. Um, and that's a, that's an opinion straight from someone who is working within this. So he's got like the opposite problem to um, Brian in a way, in that you know, Brian, you're you're going with Core from the beginning of Core. David von Gries <clears throat> is having to not exactly fight it, but he's probably got a lot more things to do every time there's a release than he used to. And is that killing WordPress themes? It probably will. <clears throat> it probably will kill a lot of them. Let's say you're a theme shop that hasn't been doing too great recently and you're already overworked and not necessarily making too much money and it doesn't look like anyone wants to buy you. Then, And then you've got a whole bunch of other things to worry about and your support tickets are going up. Some people are going to drop out. Absolutely. Um, and some of those won't come back in with a new offer. They will just drop out and do something completely different. Um, so that's it, really. The video just highlights that kind of that kind of challenge. It's not a rant. It's just observing um, from within what it's like. Uh, as for page build, build a framework, I don't think that'll be going anywhere because it always stayed simple. So yeah, David's got more work to do to make it um, fully compatible with uh, Gutenberg and the Gutenberg future, but he kept things simple from the beginning. And I think that those kind of themes uh, will probably be fine because they will have a huge audience still with page builders and they'll be able to not have too hard a time with the uh, the Gutenberg approach as well. Mm. Um, any other thoughts on that? Absolutely welcome. That was just my take on the video. And Brian, you've probably not watched it, to be honest. Um, because we only told you about the links about, five, <laughs> yeah, like about fifty-three <laughs> minutes. But watching it at the last ten minutes, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I think we'll we'll press on. Um, yeah. So the the next one. By the way, can I just say this podcast episode is sponsored by Shore FMV Seven. No, it's that all three of us have got the exact. Same we have, yeah. What's the chances of that? Fashion uh, victim. Uh, yeah. That's what we are. The same That's arm what... too. I think. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Road, Road arm. And a, yeah. Oh, yep. Grief. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Anyway, um, it is a fantastic combination, though. It is. I've got, a, I've got another yeah. arm over here, and it was a really trendy one, and it cost more than the road arm as well. And I put it on, I was like, "Wow, that looks so good." We haven't got this metal bit showing. Yeah. But I just, it just wasn't as maneuverable as this thing. It's fantastic. So. Yeah. 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 For those of you that haven't come across this mic the, the best bit is not only is it a nice shore mic but it's got a bit of software for your mac or pc which does all the, the audio so, yeah and you can plug it in with usb which is nice you can see on uh, on brian's one which makes it dead easy to use yep. for podcasting right okay next one is over on the toolset website this we'll probably just cover this briefly because yep. we've covered something like this before yeah. this is just a nice little article where the the toolset guys go over the the similarities and differences between their offering and the new um query loop block so the query loop block if if you haven't 
come across it. It's brilliant. It's just nice to have this in in WordPress core where you can sort of say, I would like to show a bunch of posts, please. And I would like only these types of posts. And I would like to show a featured image and a bit of metadata. That would be lovely. And I'd like to show it in a basic grid. That kind of stuff you can do. But obviously, Toolset um, wanted to go a little bit further. And right from the very beginning of Gutenberg, they've, it seems like they just dropped all their initiatives of their own to do layouts. And they thought, let's go with the block editor. We'll just use whatever comes. A bit like Brian, really. Um, we'll go with what's, what's in core, and we'll adapt that. And so that's what they've done. And so this is a nice little article basically saying, here's how you can produce a nice, simple loop with the, the core offering. And then right at the very end, I always appreciate this one, when a, a post is explanatory. And then at the end, they tag on their little, and here's what you can do with our stuff as well. I think that's a really nice way of doing it. Then they go to show the, the sort of the way that you could finesse it and add a little bit more. Um, so for example, example, you could, you could pick uh, all sorts of different fields and style it in a much more um, point, click, drag kind of way. You can, If you're looking at the screen, you can see, for example, over on the, 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 the Gutenberg side of things, I don't think you get the color customizations and the things like the border shadow and box radius and all that kind of stuff, but you do on the tool set side of things. So just a nice little article. And I, we constantly keep coming back and bigging up tool set because for me, they're, they're doing a really great integrating all the, the words course stuff. We had a few little problems, didn't we, Paul? We tried to build something a few a couple of months ago and we ran into some little little problems, but no doubt the team were on it. It wasn't tool sets fault actually. Yeah. It was just um, you know, uh, cutting edge tools, you know, the cutting edge um, blocks with cadence and the cutting edge aspect of tool set just colliding and not quite being fully compatible. But I think that they've probably solved that problem. I reported it to both of them anyway, but it was just a, a bug as you get with these kind of things. Something that I, you know, me and Nathan were talking about um, before the show about this is when you see, um, you sometimes wonder, you know, are the core team not taking any notice of things that um, have already been done really well outside and, and using those ideas? I've come to the conclusion now that, and this isn't um, a conspiracy theory at all, is that the WordPress core team is essentially building something for WordPress.com, but it's not just building for stuff for people you know, the, for their product, wordpress.com. It's also building a product for anyone who wants to use it in a new way, aligned with the way that wordpress.com using it, like FrostWP's approach, or if you're an, an independent um, website owner and you want to have, um, I've seen this, this analogy before, uh, choices, not options. So they kind of, people will be able to have um, themes uh, that are specific to certain verticals, for instance, and all the blocks that they might need are in there. And then if they needed something extra, then they go to the third party to get that, whether it's a slider or animations or, or some custom code or something. So I've, I'm now thinking that they are deliberately not looking at something like Toolset and saying, wow, look how Toolset handles the design capabilities you can have in the loop. I think they're saying, that's great. It already exists if you want that use toolset. You'll be in the 20% of people that creates the 80% of the websites, the agencies, the freelancers, and all those kind of things. But it's probably too complicated for a lot of the people who are going to be using something like this in WordPress.com or in other kind of pre-packaged, you don't need to think about this too much uh, solutions. It's putting my mind at rest that I've come to that conclusion that I'm wondering sometimes, why are they just not looking at other things? I think that they probably are, and they're saying, let's not do that. 
let's do it this way and keep things simple. So their, their uh, query block is all block-based, as far as I can tell. I've never tried it. Whereas the toolset one is far more relevant to someone like me that wants it in a block, perhaps, but wants to actually put their own custom code and classes into the HTML output there. And they can do that with toolset, but you can't really do that, I don't think, with the query block the, that comes with core. So I think that that's what's happening. I think that they're seeing things that, that are being done better than they are for edge cases, but they're deciding to keep core into blocks and everything will be built from blocks. And that if you want to override it, you will use a third party of which there is plenty of choice to be had there. I've so. just shown this comment uh, from a Facebook user. I don't know who you are. Apologies. Um, seems like I have to check check out Toolset again. Yeah, that kind of comment seems to be coming up more and more. Um, got it in the toolbox. Maybe bought it a few years ago. Haven't used it, but uh, maybe it's time to bring it back out. Yeah, honestly, give it a try because they've really they've really embraced the the whole Gutenberg thing. Um, there was a post on Talk. Remember, remember that post on Talk? I forget the Talk.com. Is it uh, Talk.io? Talk.io. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it, they interviewed a bunch of agencies and freelancers specifically on who had moved over to using blocks over page builders and traditional uh, themes. Almost everybody was either at this point using toolset or generate press blocks to, to achieve what they were doing. That was the majority uh, tool that uh, people were using at that moment. So um, you could see that if you were adopting it as an agency, you were needing to pull in those third parties at this point. But give it another year, that could all change. Hmm. Paul, I think something you said is a, is an important delineator here in how WordPress chooses to approach these things. You you said edge case just a few minutes ago. Uh, I think there's probably a person or a committee that does look at these things and say, okay, we've either fallen short or we've got it to a point. Do we need to extend it? In other words, are we extending it because it's edge case or are we extending it because it's going to be globally used a certain way? Uh, I think groups are my favorite thing that ever happened to WordPress block the block group. Uh, I think that was in response to what several block uh, libraries out there had like their own container block, I think is what they called them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think in that case, they're like, hey, that's that's an idea we need to have because that's a globally used and can be really, really helpful. Uh, the tool set thing, like, hey, we're going to bring it to this point. If we take it any further, it becomes just edge case and then sort of becomes too much. But I, I think back to like Word, uh, Woo, Woo themes in the menu system, like that's a perfect example of WordPress saying, hey, someone way ahead of the game and we want it exactly the way they've built it. So we'll fork it and bring it in or work with them. To, you know, that's an example of WordPress, the project saying, you know, looking at the community, seeing what they're doing. So I do think on some level, it, there's a degree of, yeah, that's something we need to put into core and that's something we shouldn't because it's too edge case. Uh, and I'll say this about Frost really quickly and then we can move on. Uh, I would not have started Frost six months, 12 months, a year and a half ago because WordPress core just wasn't at a point because of my dedication to using quote the WordPress way. It wasn't ready sort of the way it was now. And so um, with, with I feel like, and this is like why I feel uh, like Frost is a good, for its market, uh, a good product because there's so much I feel that we could do now with WordPress core blocks. Like I don't have a need to reinvent or build or go right. further. Like there's there's markets everywhere. There's markets for toolset who say we want to extend this and bring it into this market and make it do this. And then there's me who's like, hey, there's 40% of the internet. There's a small segment of that who just needs a basic site and some configurations on a homepage, and that's enough. They just want it well designed, good typography, stuff like that. 
and that's where we're choosing to kind of stay with with Frost and why it's easy to sort of at this point, six months, a year ago, maybe not so much. Uh, but with like the group block and some of this theme.json stuff, which introduces content width and sort of capping things at certain things. Now I'm like, okay, now I feel like WordPress has equipped me as a product builder to do what I want to do. Nice. Um, we're kind of running out of time, sort of-ish a bit. So I'm going to move it on. Um, automatic, they're getting into email. Well, not directly. They've um, they've invested $30 million in Titan. Paul, this is on you, isn't it? You're doing this one? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was just looking at the screen. Uh, yeah, so they've, they've bought Titan. Um, or they've did invested. they buy? They've invested. No, they've invested it. Invested, yeah, right. so, wow, I mean, how much does Titan cost to buy? Um, you could buy my entire street for that. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, this is obvious, a really good um, investment for Automatic. I, I don't understand why you, you would need to invest 30 million in a company and not buy it. Uh, for the thing that they're doing with it, and that's just my ignorance to this this how this whole thing works at this at this uh, level I think. But basically, what it's clear that they're doing already is implementing this into WordPress.com, so that when you buy a website uh, per month from WordPress.com, you can have an upsell to have an email account for I think it's three dollars fifty, and and then you will be able to leverage the Titan service. Uh, at the a very good price to as an alternative to Google Mail or um, uh, Office 365 and those sort of products. Now, Wix, I was in someone's Wix's site the other day just helping them out. <gasps> yeah, and uh, there's some things they do really, really good in there. And it's the, you know, it's the ability to, you know, purchase your domain and to, you know, purchase your website and also uh, to buy your email. And the my wife's friend whose website I was helping her with had purchased her email through that. I think it was via Google. Uh, but the whole process of her, you know, getting the domain, the website, and the email was so seamless. It was so easy. And I was kind of blown away how easy it, it was. And I think this is what WordPress.com is doing. They've brought in a partner. They've invested heavily into them. And you will now be able to buy WordPress.com website and with no complexity at all, have an email inbox that is to a professional level. And as I understand it about Titan as well, it has got a few cool features in that. I've never used it, but I heard a few people say it has almost like a ability to do almost like support ticketing. So you can kind of reorder and reprioritize emails within your inbox to say, oh, this is one I need to get back to. Um, and this one's done, or this one needs to be you know, signed off to someone else or something like that. So um, for end users of WordPress.com, brilliant. For people wanting to stand up uh, against the the Wix and the pure corporate um, non-open source um, options out there, again, brilliant. And for Automatic to have a an option that sits against any of the big hosting conglomerates that are now buying up, you know, have their own pop-based email services or partnerships. Again, it's a it's another option that people have got uh, to go the WordPress.com route. And what they're essentially doing is is cutting off the reasons why you wouldn't go with something like WordPress.com if that was in your list of possibilities. Um, I love the, I love many? this sentence on the uh, this is this article's by by the way in the WP Tavern uh, po uh, 
blog post. Uh, I love this sentence here. It says, we need an alternative to Google and Microsoft. This is Matt Mullenweg, uh, which have started to monopolize email. I was just thinking, imagine that sentence said, we need an alternative to WordPress because, mm. because it's m- beginning to monopolize the internet, said co-founder of Wix. <laughs> just, just such an interesting take. But apparently, go back a number of years, um, Matt Mullenweg was all into Slack. And he, he, I think he believed that email was on the decline and would eventually sort of disappear. So this is a bit of a vault fuss. Uh, mm-hmm. There, but yeah, I'm totally blown away by how you don't build an email company that's really good for thirty million dollars if you're automatic. I'm just the, you get all it, the people though as well, don't you? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. And presumably, this yeah. is a profitable company that they've invested in because they see a bright future for it. But honestly, it's just just never even occurred to me that you could do your email through WordPress.com. I always just go to Google, just that's my default. I just press the Google button and get everything set up that way. But yeah, if you've got a WordPress.com domain, click a button, $3.50 is pretty good. You said it's, it, didn't you? You said it came with calendars as well. And Yeah, it's got a calendar right. and contact okay. built yep. in. So those are the things the average DIY business owner needs if they're setting up a website on WordPress.com, email, domain, website. Um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good offering. I think they'll do well. Yeah. You got any thoughts on this, Brian? Uh, no, nothing no. of significant value that you guys have that I've already said. So, okay. All right. In which case, we're going to stray away from WordPress for one final piece. And uh, I've got to be careful with my language here. Uh, apparently, the acronym CP is what I'm going to use here. And CP is referring to um, images that are of a nefarious nature involving small human beings. I think we all know what I'm talking about. But um, this is, this. I, I, I've been on holiday for two weeks, right? So I, I have no idea if this story has done the rounds, but I expect it has. But uh, if you're the owner of an iPhone and you use iCloud, uh, Apple, have, Apple have done something really curious. I think they've done it as best as they could, but I'm just interested on everybody's takes on this. So okay, you're out and about and you're taking pictures or you're receiving pictures on iMessage or what have you. Basically, if a photograph lands on your uh, your iOS device and it gets sent up to iCloud, which is where it can go if you've ticked that box, they go- uh, I keep saying Google, Apple are going to download a database of CP images and hash your pictures, compare them, and they reckon it's a one in a trillion fail rate. You know, it, basically they reckon that all the nines, except the last one, is, you know, they're going to get it correct. And if you have any of these photos on your phone, which are being uploaded to iCloud, they will get in touch with law enforcement and you will be in a bit of trouble. And if you're a child who is the recipient of one of these images and you are in the Apple ecosystem and you're on like the family plan, you're going to be told if you if you really want to open this image, that's fine, but we will tell your parents. And so you know I'm going to click this, but my parents are going to, I don't know if they, I doubt they'll get the image, but they'll probably get the the notification to say, you know, your child has has looked at this image. Okay, so they've done this in a really bulletproof cryptographic way. In other words, they don't see the picture. They just compare it to a hash, which is coming from a verified police law enforcement database and they're making that comparison and if there's a positive they will alert the authorities of course the the thing which came out of the EFF which I thought was curious is it's a slippery slope they say because now you've built into iOS 
the technology to do this. And so it wouldn't be too much of a stretch, or would it? I don't know. Too much of a stretch for a government to say, actually, do you know what? If Apple, dear Apple, if you want to operate in our country, if you've got any pictures of this event which happened, which our government don't think should have happened, can you just can you just tell us about those people as well? And although Apple, I'm sure, would never do it, the fact is they've built the platform to enable it. Nobody could argue that CP needs to be stamped out. But I'm just curious from a technological point of view what you guys think. It's just interesting. Apple in some way able to inspect your photos. Not really, but kind of. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I know. I know. That's, <laughs> what, that's I, the perfect you know, commentary. Like, <laughs> uh, I have, first of all, like if it's an opt-in thing, there's it is. at least there's that. I'll give them that. Oh, it's um, it, no, it's it's if you if you're using iCloud, right? Then you've opted in, so you have to you have to if so you basically you, use you're not going to not use iCloud because yeah. of this because iCloud you want to use it for its thing. Yeah. So it's really it's opt in, but not really. Um, it's probably most of me. I haven't given it a whole lot of thought that it it's more like just because you can build something some sort of a technology thing doesn't mean you should. I mean, is Apple really like trying to police this or they're it I, I don't know like i think to your point like all of a sudden it goes from you know cp to like you know hate crimes and like where do you draw a line like you know hey if you see a gun in a picture with a kid holding it like all of a sudden knock down his door like that to me seems a little too and not invasive because i don't want to be sensitive to the fact that it might save lives and people and things right. like that but it's right. i don't know it just build software <laughs> you know like help people communicate do work like, yeah it it's really cute and i think the i think the i don't know what the law is in the united states i don't even know what the law is in the united kingdom but i imagine there's some if that image is on your hardware in other words if it's on the apple icloud presumably they um they're, they're some somehow liable for it you know if there's a picture that shouldn't be on their hardware that is on their hardware they want to get rid of that at the first available opportunity and I, so I don't know if it's coming from that point of view as much as to to help the wider community it's just curious the EFF saw this as a you know there's now a backdoor and whether or not we want to think about it possibly governments might compel Apple in the future to well you've got the technology just do it let's see pictures of of I don't know things i want to see who's got a picture of this document or that document or whatever yeah anyway paul you know there might be as i think oh. about it real quick there might be some element of scare tactics here too like hey we've got this now it just might prevent people from doing it more or switching over to like google or samsung or some other service but you know like if i now know that this is a thing i just may not choose to send this thing like so maybe there's an element of that, yeah. which is like yeah. prevented from from people doing it just because they think they might get caught now. Yeah, I was actually listening to a podcast of of, of experts in this area not that long ago, a couple of days ago, and they were saying the 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 one in a trillion is just pure guesswork. Like the idea that they can know how accurate their technology is, and how imagine you are that person who is is gets in trouble with the law because of the false positive. It's just like career-ending mistake isn't it it's just um anyway paul uh yeah so we um i was listening to a podcast the other day and it was talking about technology that gets developed and basically there's this problem in a way or it's it's not a problem it's just a, a reality that uh we are 
innovating technology really, really quick. So if you take COVID, for instance, um, you know, there's that argument about should um, scientist type people in labs uh, experiment with viruses and make them much worse so that we can then experiment how we would fix that problem if it ever happened in nature or someone else was experimenting it for a bad reason. So it seems that there's always a situation that like we're always going to create software or innovations or technology or whatever that is going to endanger us as well. Like we're literally always creating tech that can kill us all or, you know, we'll make bad things happen to ourselves. And we can't stop that happening. Like we're, we're always going to keep doing that. There's also a situation that there will always be some bad actors who will want to exploit that software or technology, whether that's governments or terrorists or just not nice people or whatever. And then there's basically us normal people as such who just use, who, who have no choice but the technology is part of our life. And we've got no way of getting around that. Now, I don't have so much as a personal opinion on how you would, you know, how you solve that, <laughs> how you solve that conundrum as such. Apart from, um, I kind of agreed with some of the people on the podcast that were saying, I think we have to keep creating this technology and then we just have to keep aspiring to use it in the most responsible way. Because some, as soon as we, as, as, a, as a kind of, you know, um, I don't know what we call ourselves, humans, are able to do something. <clears throat> yeah, those people over there may be able to do it first, but give it a year and everyone will be able to do it. So in the virus situation, you know, the COVID situation, it's a case of right now, only people in labs can probably, you know, change the super um, terrible version of this flu virus that was about H1N1, I think it's called something like that. Um, and make it, you know, terrible. But, you know, within like 10 years, that'll be doable in the classroom by, you know, people just um, on a computer, they can press a few buttons and, uh, and, and somehow they're able to create the DNA of a terrible virus that does something. So it's going to happen no matter what. And it kind of makes sense that we, we create this technology because it's happening and then we try and use it responsibly and then we try and use more tech to, to protect yeah, yeah, to us protect people who are in the, the firing in. line of, of, of this, you know. Yeah, know. I'm not, a cheery ending to the, <laughs> the podcast today. Well, actually, do you know, um, one thing, I think it was Elon Musk said, uh, was talking about the climate crisis, actually. Like, how do we get people to care about it? Because it's too slow. It's too slow. You know, it, we, we're just looking at it and going, mm, yeah, I'm going to tweet about that. That's terrible. Or something like that. And it's, you know, and, and when most of us aren't doing something, then you've got governments who come in every two years or four years in democratic situations. And as soon as they get into government, they're now thinking about the next election and, you know, and they don't really yes, do what they're, yes, they're yes. told, yes. you know, what they said that they would do. Elon Musk's uh, approach to this is we need to make things that are so attractive and cool that you want it. And as a result, it saves the the environment, whether that's a Tesla car or some other cool thing. Like in me, they might invent, invent a baseball cap that eats carbon or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's genius. Yeah, well, I need to get and quickly paint that. That's a good idea. <laughs> Quick, go to um, go to carboneatingcap.com. Yeah. We just yeah. can't stop the technology the onslaught. It's it's outpacing us. The, the clever people are outpacing us. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I hope that this will save a lot of, you know, children, basically, because, yeah. and obviously there's freedom and privacy aspects and stuff like that, but 
I'm in the party that I would give that away. Yep. Uh, but I'm in a safe country. I live in the UK, so yeah. it's easy yeah. for me to say. Yeah. Okay. Picks of the week. I've got one. It's going to be dead quick, and then we'll end it if nobody else has got a pick of the week. This is called sueme.news. It It's free for 10 things, and it's $19.99 if you want to upgrade, and you can have unlimited things. It's one of these lifetime deal things. Actually, it's not. It's their pricing. That's just what they, they ask for. It's basically like an RSS reader, blog post. So you can stick a URL in or an RSS feed or a Twitter handle or a Tumblr handle, or a YouTube URL, and it will start to create a feed for you. And it's dead simple. It basically looks like that. So it's just the bare bones with a little excerpt, perhaps an image. And I just thought it was really cool, the fact that you can amalgamate. It's like an RSS reader on steroids with extra things. Um, and it's called sumi.news. And I've, I've subscribed, and I really like it. It just presents all. So I can put everything into one big feed. And uh, and never look at it like uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you do. But that's all I've got. Paul, you got a pick of the week? Well, I didn't. I forgot to do it. So I'm going okay. to go with the film Aspen Extreme okay. that was recommended to me from yeah. Brian Gardner. Uh, it's you've stolen so his. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just that's really his one. And yeah. also, another cool thing that I got from Amazon this week was uh, a spirit level for the top of my camera that I'm using here for the streaming because it's always slightly wonky. And then you are, like, are you kidding? Yeah, you and, are, and it sits on top of the camera. And I don't know what that thing's called, the shoe, the shoe part yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, bit at the back. Yeah, the shoe, it slots into there. And then when I'm setting it up and turning it, you know, I can just check and it's perfectly straight. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah. It's always straight, my camera. So I, do, I didn't know, it's that sort of thing that you don't know it exists until you need it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was about not, two, two pounds. No problems great. with my camera ever. <laughs> it's always in perfect. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Thank you. Uh, Brian, anything? Uh, yes, and I'm wearing one right now. Ooh. Uh, lifestyle stuff. I, I was going to go nerdy, but I'm like, you know what? No. Uh, I see people talking about like, oh, where do I buy the best quality shirt and things like that? And um, Jeff Sheldon, gentleman, uh, runs a company called Ugmonk.com, U-G-M-O-N-K. Uh, he's been around for a, more than a decade. He's completely self-funded, bootstrapped and everything. Uh, and for simple, you know, clothing items and just other, you know, pr productivity things are like around desks and workstations and stuff like that. I actually have a, a leather mouse pad by him too. Uh, he's one of those kind of people you're like, support the small guy, right? You know, you don't need to go buy a t-shirt from so-and-so. Uh, I've been wearing these shirts. I wore like five of them. I think I just rotate through the same grays. Uh, <laughs> that's great they, they're like 35 or 40 dollars shirts but it's kind of what you get what you pay for like i haven't had to yeah. buy any for like three years now yeah and, and I, jeff's a great guy he's a designer so like we have that affinity uh going on so just a quick plug for jeff and what he's doing what was it again uh ugmonk u-g-m-o-n-k ugmonk.com uh, yeah. okay the site is He's, he's it's beautiful everything he touches is beautiful so oh yeah he's got loads of ob oh, oh yeah yes. like oh like it so it's shoes pens shirts like little booklets that you can write in notepads and all i'll yeah. uh i'll just quickly put it on the screen yeah that looks nice um i'm like you basically whatever's on the top of my drawer when i get to it that's what's going on my body that day yeah. Um, you know, the top t-shirt is the one that's going. So I just basically have four t-shirts. They hit the wash, go to the top, back on again. And they're mm. always 
They're yep. always these. <laughs> They're always the same. But yeah, got it. Nice. Looks good. I'll add it, it to the cool. show notes. That's yeah. good. Cool. Okay. I've got nothing else. I don't think uh, anybody else has. So we'll probably knock it on the head. Thank you so much. Episode number 174. If you enjoyed it, share it. If you didn't enjoy it, share it. And, share it anyway. Uh, yeah, just share it anyway. Um, and uh, things. Yeah. yeah, we'll be back next week. We're uh, we're gonna go and we're gonna go and track down in the virtual wilderness Jonathan Wold and make sure he's all right. But um, thanks to Paul, co-host, as always, and Brian Gardner for joining us this week. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Got to do the wave Bye. thing now. Got to do the wave. See ya. Bye.